If you have your Bibles with you in your pews, you may turn to Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 to 9. Philippians 4, verses 1 to 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way. Dear friends, I plead with Eudusa and I plead with Sinjart to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended by my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and with the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every, th- but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. God of life, even as the snow and the rain come down from heaven to water the earth, so cause it to bring forth seed to the sower and bread to the hungry, So cause your word to accomplish its purposes in our lives, bringing spiritual prosperity, fruitfulness, and eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The text of my sermon today is Rejoice in the Lord Always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Before I begin my sermon today, I would like to thank you, the folks here at Athens Christian Reformed Church, for having Donna and I to be with you this Lord's Day. As many of you know, we moved from Athens to Armprior at the end of June last year, and we have been staying with her sister. I have found employment at McDonald's in Armprior, and I've been preaching quite regularly on Sunday mornings and through various churches. And Donna looks after a special needs girl as well. Now, I discovered something while working at McDonald's I wanted to let you know. Do you know why you should always knock before opening a refrigerator door? You should always knock. Do you know why? Because there may be a salad dressing. (laughs) 
uh, Bethany Baptist Church in uh, Ottawa, it, it just seemed to be, yes, a, a little, a little just. During the first century AD, circumstances for Jewish people and Christians were very difficult to say the least. Jesus himself in Matthew 24 verse 9 said to his disciples that you shall be hated by all the nations. And in that short interval between Matthew 24 and 70 AD, insurrections and wars filled the area of Palestine within the Roman Empire. And so in 70 AD, the Romans entered Jerusalem under Titus and killed many people and took others into captivity Jerusalem was plowed up as a field, and this marked the beginning of the Jewish dispersion. But just prior to the sacking of Jerusalem, Paul the Apostle wrote a letter to the church at Philippi in around 61 AD in Rome. And so it is easy to see how life for the Philippians living in Paul's time was bound to be a worrying thing. You see, to be human, to be a human being, and so to be vulnerable to all the chances and changes of this mortal life was in, in itself a worrying thing. And moreover, in the early church, to be a Christian meant taking one's life into one's hands. And so this is why Paul writes to encourage them in his final chapter not to be anxious but enjoy the blessing of believing prayer. And this is what I want to focus on in my sermon for today. A fellow by the name of Eugene Peterson says in reverse thunder, and I quote, While conflicts rage between good and evil, prayers went up from devout bands of first-century Christians all, all over the Roman Empire. Massive engines of persecution and scorn were raged against them. They had neither weapons nor votes. They had little money and no prestige. But they did have prayer. And that prayer helped shape the course of history. My dear friends, in verses 4 and 5, Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And it sounds strange to us how Paul, who was in prison, could instruct the church to rejoice and give thanks under the circumstances many were facing. And yet it taught them that constant rejoicing, like constant gratitude, reflected confidence in the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, Paul writes, Sing. And make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul mentions that their gentleness was to be evident to all. And it is difficult for an exact translation for a full meaning. We could use the words as yielding or kind or forbearing or lenient as good English attempts. But no single word is adequate. We do know that it signifies generosity toward others and is characteristic of Christ himself. Paul in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 1 appealed to the Corinthian church on the basis of Christ's gentleness. 
And in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1, he writes, By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. And so you see, Paul wanted to be merciful and benevolent. And so he is drawing from Jesus' own words in Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30, in which Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. It is a picture of the willingness to yield one's rights, to show consideration to others, whether they were their Christian friends or unsaved persecutors or false teachers. They were to show gentleness to all. And this meant not to deny the truth, but to disarm an adversarial person. From a sermon by a fellow by the name of Michael McCartney, Mothers Matter, he tells of this story. In the early 1990s, gang violence erupted in Boyle Heights, a section of East Los Angeles. Gang members, uh, eight, eight gangs were in conflict in the parish around the Dolores Mission Catholic Church. Killings and injuries happened daily. A group of women who met for prayer and read together the story of Jesus walking on water. Then one of the mothers, electrified by the text, began to identify the parallels between the Jesus story and her own. That night, 70 women began a procession from one barrel to another. And they brought food and guitars and love. And as they ate chips and salsa and drank cokes with gang members, they began to sing traditional songs together. And the gangs were disoriented, baffled. The war zones were silent. And each night the mothers walked. By nonviolently intruding and intervening, they broke the rules of war. The old script of retaliation and escalating violence was challenged and changed. And it is no accident that the women christened their nighttime journeys as love walks. As the relationships between the women and the gang members grew, the kids told their stories. Anguish over lack of jobs, anger at police brutality, rage over homelessness of poverty, And together they developed a telefactory, a bakery, a childcare center, a job training program, a class on conflict resolution techniques, a school for further learning, a neighborhood group to monitor and and report police misbehavior, and more. And so this shows us, dear friends, what a wonderful example of the gentleness of Christ these mothers made in their community around them. My dear friends, the Philippian believers were were to rejoice and give thanks and to have a gentle attitude toward everyone. Why? Because the Lord is near. And something interesting I discovered this past week while researching this text When Paul mentions the Lord is near, it can mean one of two meanings, or both in the Bible background commentary from InterVarsity Press. First, 
It can mean the second coming to the early Christians. My dear friends, Jesus is coming again. Amen? But it also means that the Lord is close to his people and he hears their cries. You see, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7, in reference to Israel, we read, What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? In Psalm 34, verse 18, the psalmist writes, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. In Psalm 145, verse 18, the psalmist also writes, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call to him in truth. And so the very reason why the early Christians could rejoice and give thanks because their shepherd of their souls was very near to each one of them. You see, Paul's words would have been a great encouragement to them because he wanted them to remember the glorious prospect of Christ's return. And at that time, Jesus will settle all differences and will bring the consummation that will make most of our human differences seem of little account. But Paul also did not want them, or us today, to be anxious about the hardships and the uncertainties of life. The verb anxious in the Greek can mean to be concerned about, to be fretful, to have undue concern. And Paul is not saying for us to be apathetic about life or to take no action at all. As we make plans in the light of our circumstances, it is our privilege as Christians to do so in full trust that God our Father loves us and hears our prayers for what we need in life. You see, Paul places emphasis on truth, that we can take everything, everything, to God in prayer. Someone once said, there is nothing, nothing too great for God's power and nothing too small for his fatherly care. And like a child, we can take anything great or small to God and we know that whatever happens to us is of interest to him. Our triumphs and our disappointments in life because we can be sure without a shadow of a doubt of his interest and concern for us. You see, Paul underlines the wonderful truth that as we bring our supplications and our requests to God, we can pray, yes, we pray for others and we pray for ourselves. In other words, we can pray for forgiveness of the past. We can pray for our needs for the present time And we can pray for guidance for the future as well. In essence, we can take our past, we can take our present, and we can take our future into God's very presence at his throne of grace. And we can entrust, and we can turn over to God's care those near and far who are within our memories and within our hearts. My dear friends, I cannot emphasize the importance of this. The truth 
that our prayers must include thanksgiving as the universal accompaniment. We need to be thankful for the great privilege of prayer itself. The idea here is that in life, we are upheld between the past and the present blessings that God has bestowed upon us. You know, personally, it's not easy to be thankful in everything, in sorrows and in joys alike. And yet, we gain the wisdom and understanding that God is working all things together for his good. Not some things, not most things. But God is working all things together for our good. That is a promise that we have from God's word. And on account of this, we can bring to him the gratitude which believing prayer requires. My dear friends, as we pray to the Lord, let us remember how God's love desires what is best for us. And it is his wisdom which alone knows what is best for us, and it is his power which alone can bring to pass that which is best for us in this life. And as we pray, fully trusting in the love and in the wisdom and in the power of God, we then will find God's peace. God's peace, dear friends, is like a sentinel or a watchman on guard upon our hearts. And Paul uses a military word here to convey the idea of standing on guard. You see, God's peace is what the Good News Bible states, and I quote, is far beyond human understanding, will keep your hearts and minds safe in union with Christ Jesus. And friends, it doesn't mean that God's peace is such a mystery that our minds cannot comprehend it, although that is true in many ways. But it means that his peace is so wonderful and so precious that our minds, with all of our knowledge and with all of our skill, can never produce it. In other words, we can't devise or orchestrate God's peace in our lives. It is a gift God gives to us by his grace. And we can have God's peace as we entrust ourselves and all whom we hold dear in our hearts and lives to the loving hands of Almighty God. In another three weeks, the season of spring is upon us. Another three weeks. Okay? And this Sunday, in our liturgical churches... It's the first Sunday of Lent. And it is said in Martin Luther's autobiography that he had one preacher he loved better than any other. It was his little tame Robin. Now this little Robin would preach to him daily. Luther would put crumbs upon his windowsill, especially at night, and the Robin would hop onto the sill when he wanted his supply and took as much as he desired to satisfy his need. And Luther wrote these words. From thence, he writes, he always hops to a little tree close by. He lifts up his voice to God and sings his carol of praise and gratitude, tucks his little head under his wings, and goes fast to sleep. 
to leave tomorrow to look after itself. My dear friends, let us have the same wisdom in life as we daily trust the Lord for all of our needs and as we seek his will for our lives. Thanks be unto God. Amen. Father God, we thank you for this very wonderful passage of scripture in Philippians. We thank you for the Apostle Paul's words to us, and we thank you how we can come to you at any time, day or night, and lift before you our praises, our petitions, our burdens, and our needs to you in prayer. And Lord, we thank you that you hear and answer every request that we have. Sometimes, Lord, the answer is no, and at other times it is yes, and at other times it is not now, but wait. But we thank you for your gracious and your sovereign will in our lives. And Lord, I pray that if there is anyone here who may have a burden, may we lift our burdens to you, we pray. Help us to cast upon all of our anxiety upon you, for you care for us. And help us to take your yoke upon us, which is easy and light to carry. The yoke of trusting you by faith is our personal Savior and Lord. And we give to you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. For we pray in your name, O Lord, and as you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Forever and ever. Amen.